0: Welcome, Faith Bible Church family. It's great to get together again and be able to study God's Word together, even if we are apart. And so we welcome you as family. Uh, We're in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter one, verse uh, verses six through ten is what we're going to be looking at today. And so we're going to be looking at this idea of false teaching that's infiltrated this this church of uh, Galatia, and what does that mean for us as well? Uh, What are the warnings? What are the encouragements for us as well? And so here we are as we start, uh, get your Bibles out, Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 10. And uh, what we see in um, the scriptures is uh, all the scripture speaks uh, really about the importance of the gospel and the gospel of Christ, the good news that's come from Jesus Christ. All right? The gospel message is, is central to our faith, that Christ came. Uh, he gave himself for us as an example in his life. As um, a sacrifice on the cross is the only one who could fulfill the law um, in our behalf, because we were separated from God, and so that is central to our faith as believers in Jesus, and it's to be embraced because our lives depend on it. Uh, it's not to be tainted because our witness depends on that, and it's to be fought for, not by trying to grab power, but but contending for it, because the Great Commission depends on how we present the gospel as well. Jude, one of the uh, authors in the scriptures, Jude uh, verse 3 says this in his short letter. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. Contend. It's like an athletic term here. So think of an athlete who who is uh, competing and is training. For whatever event that they're going to compete into it's it talks about content the word contend uh, talks about struggle and, and agonizing and and sometimes we think it'd be a, a negative term but it's really a very positive thing because you're training your body and it, just like an, uh, an athlete they, they train holistically they train their body they train their their mind they 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 train their emotions in a very holistic way so that they are ready to compete in the event in the activity that they have been training for most of their life in the same way we're to train we're to contend for the faith that we've received contend for the gospel that we've received as followers of jesus christ and so we need to train in a holistic way as well Uh, when you find yourself that you're you're trained an athlete who's trained when the skeptics come in or those who who question those who don't know anything about the event they why why do you do this why do you eat what you eat Oh, this is the reason why why do you get up and run those uh you know 20 miles a day or whatever you're running oh this is the reason why well why do you uh, have these certain bedtime routines and you get this amount of sleep Oh, this is the reason why and so someone who is training who's contending uh, who's contending is is is, uh, is able to easily give an answer because they know where the goal is all right a racer someone who's racing the finish line is over there their goal is there, and everything they do is to get themselves to that prize, to win that prize. And so we need to be dedicated to training ourselves as well, uh, contending for the faith, as Jude says. First Peter, Peter writes in First Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. But in your hearts regard Christ, uh, the Lord, as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Again, be ready, be ready. And what we're going to see from Paul is he's, Church, I thought you were ready, but, but what happened? You've let these false teachers come in and, and shake up your faith. It's interesting, a, a recent Barnes survey shows that almost half of the younger generation, let's say millennial and down, thinks that it's, it's wrong to share their faith or to push their faith on someone else. So half of Half of those uh, folks surveyed said it's wrong for me to share or push my faith on someone else well in the same group of people the same group of people said that my faith in jesus christ is extremely important to me almost 100 percent of the people said my my own faith is extremely important to me so here we have in our culture we're living in a culture that is is becoming more divided in what it means to actually live out our faith it's important for me and so i'm gonna act and i'm gonna, I'm gonna Uh, hold it tight, and it's just for me, and I'll do the things that help lift me up in faith, but, you know, it's really wrong for me to actually go out and share with other people. So there's this this separation um, that's happening in our culture where we're separating what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus and actually share that good news with other people that we come in contact with. If I was going to ask you, um, what are the biggest reasons why you don't share your faith with other people, what would that be? what would your answer be? Why? Why don't we share our faith with other people? Well, Paul is going to get us thinking about this in the book of Galatians. In this study, in this letter he writes, he's going to get us thinking about this uh, very issue. All right, so here we see um, at the beginning, again, we read this, we saw the scripture read earlier, and here we are at verse six, and so verse six and seven says this. Paul says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is any other gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So "I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning." Turning. This is a, a very serious word, and it's not just about hey, uh, you're you're kind of walking down you know on the side road here. No, the word turning here is very serious. So if I if I go walking down the street up here in New England in this hat everybody's going to be pretty happy about that. You know what? We're, you know, we're pretty happy. Uh, We're cheering for the same team, all that kind of stuff. But what happens, what happens if I'm out there and I'm wearing this hat and then all of a sudden I take this off and set it aside and I put on this hat. Oh my goodness. All of a sudden the boos and the jeers and whatever else comes out. I have just changed teams. I have just switched teams and for a Boston or a New York fan—that is serious business. You'll get beat up in the streets. I went to uh, see a a Boston uh, New York game one time, catch a Boston New York game, and my goodness, it was the rowdiest, roughest game I've ever experienced in my life. We saw, we counted around the stadium seven different groups of police officers pulling fans out of the stands because they were so disorderly. And so if I walking down the street and, and wearing this hat, and then all of a sudden, I slip on this hat. That means something. That means something. That There's a serious nature to that. Now, switching baseball teams is not as big a deal as what Paul is pointing out here in the gospel. Galatians, Church of Galatia, you had the, the robes of Christ the robes of righteousness that Christ had given to you, and you're now putting back on the robes of a works-based religion. And he's amazed. He says that, that your, ha- your, your turning happened so quickly. I'm amazed that you were so quickly turning away. What happened? I was just there. We just planted the churches. I, I was in your midst, and then I, I left, and all of a sudden I'm getting these reports that that you're going back to to an old way. You're going back to an old way. Imagine Paul, three years or so, out planting churches, inviting people in, uh, witnessing to people, leading people to to Jesus, and then all of a sudden, this is the information that he gets. This is the news that he gets. How would he feel? How would you feel? How would you feel? Well, he comes right out and says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? You foolish Galatians, But the good news is, in this this letter, all is not lost. Paul has not given up on them. Their turning uh, didn't completely separate them uh, from God. The word turning here is a continuous present tense verb. And you may ask, what in the heck does that mean? It means they were in process of turning. They were starting to walk down that path of turning. And Paul says, wait, put on the brakes, stop, stop, stop. You've you've been clothed in the robes of righteousness, set free by Christ Jesus. What happened to you? You were running so well, he's gonna say later on. Who prevented you um, from the truth? Who, who persuaded you away from the truth? He says, He says, just like Jude says, we have to contend for the faith. Later on, Paul's gonna say, we can't get tired of doing what's right, because we will reap a harvest in the end but it takes it takes dedication it takes dedication and so this letter is a letter of reflection look where you were look where you were look where you are now and and the big question that i think he's asking them and that we have to ask ourselves too if we start to stray or we start to add something to the gospel if it becomes a jesus plus message uh, he started to ask are you more free now than when you were when, when I came and delivered the message of Jesus Christ to you. All right, guys, men, Galatians Church, men, they're saying you need to be circumcised now. Are you more free now with that action than just when you, when you first came to Christ? Okay, Galatians Church, they've come and they've rolled out these scrolls with 600 plus laws that you have to follow each and every one of them before you are truly in a relationship with Jesus Christ, before you can truly accept Jesus as your savior? Are you more free now with those 600 plus laws than you were when you first came to Christ? Are you more free from where you were, where we started from, or now the position that you find yourselves in? Are you more free? A couple things that we see about the gospel in here. And you know what? I'm gonna take this hat off now because I'm afraid that some of you will turn this video off. if I wear that too, too, uh, too long but a couple things we have learned from the gospel here when you turn from the gospel you turn from god himself and from his grace from christ's grace galatians 1 6 says i'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him the grace of christ means uh, jesus only jesus is the only answer and the judaizers were coming and saying jesus plus jesus plus and when we do it when we do a jesus plus maneuver It just puts us in the the category of other religions. They're all about plus, doing X, moving yourself along in in a certain way, doing it yourself. And Jesus says that no one comes to the father. No one comes to salvation, but through him. And so what the Judaizers were doing, they were just discarding, discrediting that message that actually came from Jesus himself. Jesus Plus puts you in a whole other category. It actually puts you in an old category. Think about this. You start at point A. So we are lost. We are separated from God. We have to work as hard as we can. Though it's impossible, we have to work as hard as we can to, to, um, to, uh, to save ourselves. All right. And Paul comes in and says, no, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. He has done it all for us. And we move over here. We are not moving again. When we take on more, we're not moving to a new category. We're actually putting ourselves back in an old category of law. And the thing is, when you turn from the gospel, you have nowhere else to go. There is nowhere else to go. Uh, Paul comes right out and says, there is no other gospel um, in chapter, uh, chapter one, verse six, And seven he says this um you're turning to a different gospel not that there is another gospel listen to these words different and another you're turning to a different gospel not that there is another gospel but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ He uses the word different and another the word different uh, is heteros it means another uh, of a different nature uh, the uh, book of Hebrews uses the same term when it says that Christ was a different kind of priest, not of the same order as Aaron, All right, a different kind of priest. There, you're, you're turning to a different gospel. It says not that there is another gospel, another being alos, another of the same nature. There is nothing of the same nature. You're turning to a different gospel the judaizers are saying no it's actually the same thing and i'm saying no it is totally different it is in a totally different category there is no other gospel but the gospel the good news of jesus christ there's no salvation but by jesus christ alone in galatians you put yourself under bondage by accepting the teachings of these these teachers who come in and influenced you so here we have it and he says that there is no other gospel and there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. False teachers create confusion and division. They're, they're troubling them. Think about a, a, a laundry, dryer, okay? You go, like, to a laundromat, you see the big dryers with a, the big glass front on them. What happens is the, the laundry in there is being agitated. It's being agitated. It's being confused. It's has set in a, a state of confusion. It's being agitated. He says, just like that, your minds are being troubled. They're being agitated. They're being confused and that's really the the real power of a false teacher is that actually a false teacher usually comes in and they just put a little bit they just twist the truth just a little bit just to cause confusion and question in your mind what they were actually doing is says, they're distorting the gospel what they're actually doing is reversing the gospel I think of it this way they're putting the cart before the horse putting the cart before the horse and so what is the gospel message? Well, we find an example of it in Ephesians chapter 2, 8-10, through 10, where uh, Paul says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So here's, here's the, the, the order. First we have, you are saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourselves we are saved by grace alone um, and not by works but we are created as his workmanship created for good works through christ jesus and so these judas were just saying no you actually have to do the good works first here's the cart before the horse you have to do the good works first before you can come to christ and paul says no 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 that's rubbish That's rubbish. it does not make sense at all if that was the case we don't even need jesus if all we're going to do is keep striving and trying to keep all the rules and regulations we don't even need jesus that's the beauty of what jesus did for us he's offered it as a free gift to us he's often think of christmas christmas is coming he's offered it as a beautifully wrapped christmas package for us in our lives because we receive that gift Our lives are the thank you note of that. I I believe in good works. We just went through the book of James uh, this past spring. Um, I I believe in doing good works, but Paul says, here's the order. You come to Christ first, and then he spurs you on, gives you the power through the working of the Holy Spirit to actually do the good things, the right things uh, that are pleasing to God all right? And it's not that we're trying to do the work so that we're pleasing to God. It's, no, it's, it's like, okay, God, you've given us this gift, and then our life is just plays out as that, that thank you note to him. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, God. Of course, I want to help my neighbor. Of course, I want to encourage people in my church. Of course, I want to raise my kids right. Of course, I want to treat my, my spouse well and, and honor them Uh, because I've I've received salvation, I've been freed because of what Christ has done for me, all of these things then start to act and and be moved into place. Our lives are a thank you note because of what Christ has done for us. You may have friends out there who say, well, you know, I I believe other things and and I I do good works and I believe in other things. And you may see, yeah, these, these guys are really nice people. These men and women are really nice people. But nice doesn't cut it for us. Nice, if we go back to the the athlete illustration, nice is like the the fast runner. You think of like the fastest runner in the world, okay? Let's say a sprinter, you got the sprinters lined up and man, this guy is fast. You know, he is gonna be the one to take the race. Well, nice, being nice, just being a nice person is like being that fast runner who doesn't reach the goal because he runs in the wrong direction. You can run as fast as you want in the wrong direction. You are never gonna grab the prize. And so there are a lot of people out there who are doing good works, who are out there in the communities, uh, who, are, who are actually displaying image of God because that's built into us. The, the, that, that's, that's part of who we are. All right? Uh, but if we haven't accepted the grace that has come through Jesus Christ as the complete gift for us, then, then it doesn't matter what we do. Paul says, man, this is serious business. He says but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you if an angel came down and preached a false message if i came back to you and preached a false message a curse be on him as we have said before i now say again and then and he repeats this thing again if anyone is preaching to a gospel contrary to what you have received a curse be on him a curse was a way of saying may you be cut off completely from friends from family from God. He's not being very politically correct here with these false teachers. He's not saying, oh, well, you know, they've got some things right, and, you know, I want to respect their teaching because this is what they believe And He says, no, no, no. They are totally distorting the truth for you. They are leading you astray by their words, and, and they, that's to be cursed. That needs to be separated out. And he even includes that those in the spiritual, and he takes it to the extreme. Man, if angels, if angelic beings came down and preached that you need to follow the law, be circumcised, and then you can come to Jesus, and, and only then if you can come to Jesus. Uh, he says, no, they need to be separated from you as well. You need to get away from that teaching as quickly as you can. Spurgeon says this, Spurgeon writes this, If you meet with a system of theology which magnifies man, flee from it as far as you can and that's what works-based salvation does it's all about me it's all about my actions it's all about what I do and we project that into the people it's all about what you do it's all about how you're acting how you're behaving all of those kind of things muddle up the gospel of Jesus and Christ's glory as at stake because a false gospel magnifies man if all we have to do is work really, really, really hard to to get ourselves right with God, Jesus is not needed. That's not the message of the gospel. That's not what we see all around us, okay? In this this world that we live in and the division and the chaos and the disorder that we live in, that's not the message we need. We need to say that, no, you can't wade in this and get pull yourself out of this this pit, out of this swamp. You need someone to lift you out of it, to to free you from that, and that is Jesus Christ, and so when we put on a message of salvation by our own achievements, by what we do, Christ's glory is at stake. People's souls are at stake because of this. Paul knew that this wasn't just an issue about what, uh, what what seat colors you need in the church, or what carpet you need to get in the church, or what kind of paint to put on the walls. You know, those little arguments, what kind of music to listen to in the church, or how to worship, or you know, and what's the appropriate music to worship with, and all that kind of stuff. He says, you are moving the needle. You are moving the needle for people when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you move that needle, people are going to miss the beautifully, uh, the, the beautiful message of Jesus—they're going to totally miss it because they're going to be looking at the wrong goal. They're going to be looking at the wrong, um, the wrong thing, focusing on the wrong thing. Think about this one: Christmas is coming. So you, you a parent—some of us are parents. What if, as parents, we put this beautifully wrapped uh, present under the tree, and we said to the kids, "Okay, this is the present you've been dreaming about. Maybe it's something techie, Maybe it's games." Uh, maybe it's the, the, the new Barbie doll or the, the new whatever character that's that's popular for the year, you know, the one that jacks up at, right? in, in price and is impossible to get. In. And the parents say, I have this present that you've been waiting for all year. It is under the tree, wrapped, ready for you. All you have to do, though, is this. The month before Christmas, I need you washing the dishes every day. I need you shoveling the driveway from snow every single day. I need you dusting, I need you cleaning, I need the cobwebs gone, I want you washing my car, um, I want you to oh chip in for the bills as well. Um, all of these things you need to do to get the free gift. It's not a free gift then, is it? And what would happen is, well, kids would, uh, a group of kids would say, look at that and say, there's no way, I, I don't even wanna try, I don't even wanna to, to, to attempt to, to reach out and take that gift, and I give up. there's another group of kids out there who would try and for about a week they may be doing okay but then they would mess up they would miss a chore and the parents would say to them oh you missed it you messed up you can no longer have this free gift where does that leave the child discouraged um, in doubt of their parents love in doubt of what it uh, means to actually have a gift under the tree will it be taken away, or do I have, to, I have to work really hard for this in order to, to earn it? It's no longer a, a gift. It's no longer a gift. So people's lives are at stake when we move the needle of the gospel. People are going to miss the goal because we're going to focus their eyes on a, a different goal. The health of the church is at stake as, as well. Um, when we start to um, pile on messages of works, or before you walk in these doors, you need to get your act together uh, get yourself right, and, and then you'll be accepted. What we're doing is we're piling on a work salvation for them. If you just match our level, if you match our level, then you will be accepted into this family. And, uh, you know, if if that's the message the church is giving, then we are no different than any other organization out there in this world. Do, 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 accomplish, get, 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 then you will get Prize and that's a false gospel message. Paul concludes this in verse ten. He says, "For am I now trying to persuade people or God? What is my goal here? Am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Jesus." Okay, and he's going to give his testimony in the the next section of this of this letter, and that's what we're going to cover next week. But he says, "Am I when it gets down to it, am I?" I'm being accused of trying to please people, to make this easier for you you Gentiles to come in and and not follow all the rules that us good Jews have followed all all along. And, And am I trying to please people, or am I trying to please God? Is my life based on pleasing people, or is my life based on pleasing God? Did I come in here because I was scared to deliver the right message to you guys? And here's the crux of the matter. For us, as believers, sometimes we are fearful to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those are around us, we're, we're afraid sometimes of how they will respond to that message. Will they reject me? Will I lose my friends? Will my, will my family uh, leave me off to the side? Will I not get included in, in social events if, if I share the gospel too much with people? And oftentimes, um, this, this goes beyond just how we feel about sharing the gospel. Oftentimes, we're hindered in the church because we have the same attitude with sharing anything. That is, that, is, that is deep and vulnerable with people around us. If I share the secret with them, they're not going to like me anymore. If I, if, I, um, if I let them in on this this thing that I'm struggling with, then they're just going to shut me out until, they, until I, I, I get my act together. I would lose my friends and my family members. And we see being vulnerable as something to be ashamed of. And, and, and the gospel is a vulnerable message for us. It's actually a personal message for us. How has Jesus Christ changed our lives? How are our lives just uh, so much better because of our relationship to Jesus? How, how, has, how has the freedom we've experienced through Jesus transformed us in, in, in how, we, how we look at our day, how we look at this political mess that we've been in this last week? How has Jesus helped transform our lives, and that's a very personal thing. The reality is that the gospel is about us because we are the ones who benefit from the gift, but it's not about us. The gospel message is first and foremost about God who does not give up on his creation, who offers a way for for fellowship and redemption uh, without any hoops to jump through. It's, It's us looking at Jesus and saying, man, Jesus, you paid it all you you paid all of the price uh, you wiped it all out and I just need to come to you and say thank you for this gift of salvation that you've given to me and a church that in the end a church that turns from the gospel w- will start to turn inward it'll start to uh, make make it about themselves and, and not about Jesus when it's a Jesus plus then we start to turn inward it's about all these other things that we have to do, uh, right, to be, to be in right relationship with God. And an inward church will end up being a shrinking church, shrinking from the commands to care and love for one another because we start to become more focused on all the things that I have to do to, to be right, to get this thing right. It will be shrinking from the Great Commission because we'll, we'll start to, to look inside of, of just us and say, you know, I'm more concerned about me I'm more concerned about what I'm doing, and this is what what the religious leaders of Jesus' day struggled with. Okay, I, I got to make sure that I'm clean, all right? And they, they started to put burdens on other people and, and to push other people away because, man, they will never be good enough. They will never be good enough. And so a shrinking church— uh, is an inward church, and it shrinks from the commands to love and care for others, and it shrinks from the commands to actually share the good news of Jesus and the freedom that Jesus brings with the community around them. A growing church, though, is an inviting church. It's not not just shuffling of the saints kind of church, not that kind of work, but a, a growing church is a community-changing church because that is a church who is showing the world the transforming power that comes through Jesus Christ. So we have to ask this question again. We've been asking this question uh, for the last couple weeks. We're going to keep asking this question. Who is your one? And so how does this tie into this? We, we probably all know someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus, who has not come and seen Jesus as their Savior, the need for Jesus as their Savior. And so who is our one? Who needs to hear the, the clear message of Jesus that he has done it all? Rest in him. Receive a free gift from him. Be thinking about that this, this week. Who's the one that you need to invite into this experience, whether online or to invite, to invite to a Thursday service or a Sunday service? Who's the one that you need to invite to to coffee so that you can deepen your relationship with them so that they could, you, can, you can share with them the love of Jesus? Who's the one that you need to bring over for, for dinner so that you are able to live out the gospel and as well as, as preach the gospel, share the gospel to them as well? Who's the one that, that maybe is, is really struggling and hurting and, and maybe needs a recommendation for a good Christian counselor who can help guide them or come to, to talk with a pastor if they have questions to help guide them and answer some of their questions? Who's the one that you need to dive into a study with and say, you know what? I want to open my book of Galatians. Uh, this, is, this is all about the, the freedom that we um, receive through Jesus. Would you like to come in? Can we study this together? Can we study this together? Even if you don't believe in it, even if you have just lots of questions and doubts, can we study this word together? Who is your one? I want to leave you with a couple questions here. I want to leave you with a couple questions. We'll put these up on the screen. Are there areas in your life that you have an easy time contending for? Jude says contend for the faith. Are there areas in your life that you really have an easy time contending for? With your time, your resources, and all of your energy. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ one of those areas? Are you having gospel conversations with people? Why or why not? Now's a great time to stop and pray and pray for that one who who he, he's pulling pulling your heart, tugging at your heart to share with. And how do Paul's words about pleasing men, not? Uh, uh, excuse me, how do Paul's words about pleasing men, uh, pleasing Christ and not men, excuse me, how do those words affect you? Do you struggle with the desire to please other people rather than Christ? And does that affect your witness and your sharing the gospel to those in your community? Lord Jesus, we come and, you know, we can do nothing without you. Anything on our own, Paul says, are are, are like dirty rags. Even the best works that we do are, are dirty rags compared to what you've offered to us. And the great thing about what you've given us, Jesus, is you've given us freedom you've given us life, uh, you, you've, you've you've, said, let me carry your load. And so Jesus, we come to you, and again, as a body of Christ, we we, we come and we just thank you, we praise you for what you've done. We thank you that you are our Lord and our Savior. You did not leave us alone, you did not give up on us, but you came down to, to die on the cross on our behalf, to take on... Uh, the guilt of of death and sin that that we could not overcome. We thank you and we we praise your, your holy name. We come because we are united in Christ. Amen.